Amen. Good morning again. I am Pastor Adam. I am the youth and missions pastor. If you have your Bible this morning, would you please be making your way to the start of your Bible, Genesis chapter 1. As we begin this year uh, in a few days, uh, we as a church will be reading uh, through the Bible together and preaching through it together. So I was given the privilege and opportunity to go through uh, the first couple of passages as we will begin the new year on uh, Friday. So Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, um, we should be able to read the first 11 chapters of Genesis together. And so I will be preaching um, just from the first three, though, uh, because I was given the opportunity to pick. And I couldn't, you know, you could pick a lot of things. There's Noah's Ark and, and Tower of Babel. But I started with uh, some of God's first commands. Uh, just a few announcements. Uh, there will uh, be life groups next Sunday, uh, but uh, there will be no services this coming Wednesday. Nothing on Wednesday morning uh, or evening. And our office will be closed on the 31st on New Year's Eve. One more thing. Uh, our Lottie Moon uh, offering is still ongoing. Some may have asked, can they still give? Yes, you can still give. You can give through our offering or online. It's still set up um, uh, for your ability to do that. Now, hopefully you made your way to Genesis chapter 1, as I have. Would you please stand with me as we read the first uh, command of God in verse 3. We're going to read Genesis chapter 1, verse 3 verses 26 and 27, and then we're going to flip over and read uh, in chapter 3, verse 15. Genesis chapter 1, verse 26 says, Then God said, Let us make man in our image, after our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the birds of the heavens, and over the livestock, and over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image, in the image of God, he created him, male and female. He created them. Now flip to, uh, I missed chapter 1, verse 3, didn't I? Chapter 1, verse 3. And God said, let there be light, and there was light. And God's first command was, let there be light. Now flip over to chapter 3, verse 15. It says, I will put enmity between you and the woman, and between your offspring and her offspring. He shall bruise your head, and you shall bruise his heel. Let us pray. Father, we are grateful this morning for new beginnings. Um, Lord, we have experienced such a year in 2020 uh, that uh, we will uh, likely have nothing to compare it to. But God, as we begin anew um, this coming week, Lord, give us hearts to pursue you and your purposes. Lord, help us to realize that you do nothing on accident, that everything you do is perfect, important, and with purpose. God bless us this morning as we learn these things. In Christ's name, amen. God doesn't make mistakes. And if God does everything on purpose, why is it important for us to know and to trust in that fact? Purpose adds meaning to our life. It gives us reason. Purpose fuels your passion and your desire. For us Christians, it fuels our passion and desire for God. Purpose gives you boundaries also. Purpose allows you to not have what I've recently heard from a really smart lady, something called missional drift. If this is your purpose, then you know, purpose allows you to stay on task and not go from one side to the other. Purpose keeps you centered in both good and bad times. 
the first three chapters of Genesis set the stage for us to know and see how God has a purpose for everything. God didn't and doesn't make accidents in his purposes. We, as fallen human beings, know uh, that, but we mess that up often. We mess it up by not trusting in his purposes. We mess it up by choosing not to rightly follow God's purpose. But his purpose is never wrong. And I hope as we consider these three points this morning, that God made light on purpose. He made us in his image on purpose. And he redeemed us on purpose. That we all begin a new year trusting God and trusting in his purposes. We begin with light. God's first command, let there be light. It's beautiful that the first thing that God said was, show something. When God said, let there be light, I don't know if y'all have ever studied up on this, but light moves really fast. It moves at 186,000 miles per second, not per hour, per second. When God said, let there be light, light literally left the mouth of God going that fast. That is a really big God. And in the same instant God said, let there be light, he also created every color we would ever be able to see. Because light passing through a prism gives us color. God is a big God, and he did light on purpose. God further explains to us in verse 14 of chapter 1 of Genesis that he made light not only for his glory and to reveal how big and awesome he is, but also, as it says in verse 14, to govern time and give us seasons so that we can remember things. Light is to govern us so that we know that time passes and we realize that things change. And we measure those. Light and God's created order because, you know, when light happens as far as the sun and everything goes, when you read it in verse 14, it creates the light to govern the day and the lights to govern by night. That's how we understand time. So we, time is the measurement of change. If you bake something, you know that you've baked some stuff for a certain time and you better get it right because you want to measure the change precisely or it's not going to be any good. Time for us is the same. We are supposed to change. God created light and helps us so that we know how to measure change. And change happens. If 2020 has taught us anything, it is that things change. What's next year going to be like? I don't know. But I do know But because of 2020, we've all changed and we've all got a little bit smarter about what's important. I never thought in my life that me and my mother would have to consider whether or not her health or hugging her grandchildren was important. Which one was more important? Was it more important to stay healthy or to get together and spend time together and hug? It took us three months to figure that out. And a lot of you uh, consider such things or like things. We had to go and make some really hard decisions and come up with some like determinations, some purposes saying, no, family's more important. If we all get it, we're all going to get it together. But hugging my grandchildren, as my mama said, is more important than her health. Even though she's taking care of my 86-year-old grandmother, my grandmother said, no, you go see your grandkids because this is important. We changed last year. And it was for the good because God promises that his purposes are good. 
And we see those throughout Scripture. Light was on purpose. Light was given to us, and it's one of the most powerful things that we have, except that we can't grab it or hold it. We can produce it through physical change. We can flip on a light switch, but I can't grab it. It's one of the most important things uh, about God's creation, but it's something that we can't even wrap our hands around. Light communicates God's importance. So much so that uh, in the past couple of weeks, as Pastor Craig has preached from Isaiah chapter 9, we learned of God's goodness and grace and glory was the prophet said, Let the people who walk in darkness see a great light. Those who dwell in the land of deep darkness, on them a light has shone. God communicates with us using the illustration and the, the way that light is to show us who he is. At Christmas time, we read every year that the angel appeared to them and the glory of the Lord shone all around them and they were really afraid. And he's talking about the shepherds when, God, when the angel appeared to them. There was a special light that night. The light of God's glory, because light communicates with us. John begins his gospel saying that Jesus was life, and that life that was in Jesus was the light of man. Paul tells us that we must be children of the light. The psalmist said that God's word is supposed to be a lamp unto our feet and a light into our path. When God said, let there be light, at the same time he created light, he also created this incredible way for us to understand him. Because light illuminates. Light shows us things. Light clarifies things. Light gives us comfort when things are dark. Light is a big deal. And when God said, let there be light, he did something that he and he alone knew he was going to use to show us who he was throughout the ages, throughout all generations. We understand God a little bit better or a lot of bit better because of light. Light gives us purpose. Mark Twain once said the two most important days in a person's life are the day they are born and the day they find out why. God's word is a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. And light shows us. It gives us a way that God communicates the truth of why we were born to bear that truth on our mind and souls. Ephesians 2 verse 10 says, For we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so that we can do good things he planned for us from long ago. Light was on purpose and has purpose. Because God don't make mistakes. Everything is on purpose. As we see secondly in uh, our next point, we were going to talk about Genesis chapter 1, verses 26 and 27. Light was on purpose, and being made in the image of God is on purpose. When we read that God created us in his image, it's a special creation. He created us differently than everything else. We are to look like Him. And being created in God's image can mean a lot of things, but two of the primary things that being created in God's image means is that we have value and choice. Because we are image bearers of God's, we have worth and dignity. 
and to rightly squeeze every ounce of joy out of our life, you must live life and value those who live it in the same way. You have to see yourself as valuable, and you have to see other people as of equal value. Being image bearers of God is a big deal because we were created to be unlike everything else, but to be in God's image. When you read things in the God's Word, such as love your neighbor, it's really difficult to love your neighbor if you can't see any value in them. If you do not see God's image upon them in their life and realize that they have just as much value in the eyes of God as you do. The image of God gives us value, and all image bearers have it. They have worth because of it. Image bearing also means that we have free choice. We are free to choose. And we know this not just because we are image bearers of God, but because as we read in the first couple of chapters of uh, Genesis, God created man in his own image, but then he created this garden for them to live in. And he made this set of trees to live in that garden. And with God's image, there came choice. The man was created in God's image. The garden was created for man to be in. And then man was given a choice. Don't eat of that tree. Like Adam and Eve, we have that same set of thou shalt nots. We know not just as image bearers, but because God planted a tree that we have choice. God gave us freedom to choose. But freedom doesn't mean that you can do anything you want. We see and think of freedom in American terms. That we are free to do these things. But God's freedom is not just a, I, you can go do whatever you want. It's a constraining freedom. It says, do things like I have prescribed them to be. Do things like I have defined them. We are free to choose. And God offers us the choice to live by his rules. Why is choice such a big deal? Why are we free to choose? Because God is love. And love isn't love unless you can choose it. When you're born and you bear the image of God, you're given the choice to love God. God so loved us, as John chapter 3, verse 16 says. God first loved us, as first John teaches us. We can't be separated from the love of God, but we're free to choose it. We are all whosoever's that believe. And love is the reason that we have to have choice. We choose to be a part and be in relationship with God. Now, God pursues us, but we choose. And you, if you're a parent, you know exactly what, you know, big, unconditional love means. It's funny that Pastor Craig told a story last week about, you know, having his, Aubrey, his second child, and how he didn't know how he was going to love his second like he loved his first. I have one of those stories because I had Dean first, and when Dean was born. I couldn't imagine ever loving anything more than I love that young and right. And then Beth was on the way. 
And in that summer, right before Beth was born, I remember calling my mom and saying, you lied to me my whole life because I'm the second child. I said, you lied to me my whole life. There is no way you love me as much as you love my sister. Beth wasn't here yet. But the day she was born, I figured it out. Because love comes upon you, and you understand it and know it in such a, a, a new way with kids. With your little image bearer. There's some kind of love that happens between parents and kids. As we are image brother, bearers, and we have choice, we know love because God first loved, but we choose. And it's that freedom as God's image bearer that we have. We are free to choose. Image was on purpose. We were created with the innate, God-ordained dignity, integrity, meaning, and value. We are free to choose to love God. God's love and his value of us is only known to us because of our third point this morning. God's love and our value is only known to us because God redeemed us on purpose. It was the purpose of God from eternity past to reconcile us to him after we sinned. We are born sinners. We sin every day. I've sinned all morning this morning. I love telling that to little kids because they're like, you're a pastor. You've already sinned today? Yeah, all all morning up until I came in here. But God redeemed us on purpose. Light was on purpose. Image was on purpose. And redemption was on purpose. As we read in uh, chapter 3, verse 15, this is God's first promise of his saving grace. He said, I will put enmity between you, between that which attacked God's image bearer, the serpent, and God's image bearer. See, God did a really neat thing that we often overlook when we see the first fall of man, when we see that first, you know, Adam and Eve sin with the the fruit of the tree and the choice. We forget that after Adam and Eve sinned and they learned their shame, that God came down and pursued them. He said, Adam, where are you? He didn't condemn them. He gave them the opportunity to come to him, to repent, to be reconciled back to him. God didn't, wasn't like, he didn't not know that what Adam and Eve had done. He pursued them because he loves them. And he pursues us because he loves us. Redemption was on, on purpose. As Alec Motier writes, the whole of Scripture is not packed into every Scripture, but we may allowably expect every Scripture to prepare and make room for the whole. That is what happens in Genesis chapter 3, verse 15. It prepares us for the unfolding of God's redemption plan, for the climactic event of the baby being born as we have thought about and considered and celebrated this Christmas to the one we look forward to at Easter, God's redemption climax as Jesus died for us and rose. Redemption is on purpose. 
But have you ever thought about why God didn't step in and stop the serpent? Or step in and put some uh, other set of circumstances where Eve wouldn't have chose the way that she did and wouldn't have offered it to Adam. And Adam would not have sinned knowing God's will and God's purpose for choice. God pursued Adam and Eve. They chose wrong, but the grace of God and the love of God are shown to us as God meant that we would be reconciled to Him. For the first time ever, after Adam and Eve sinned, they felt the constraints of their flesh. They were no longer in right relationship with God. As you read at the end of this week when we start our daily reading plans, you'll read how all of a sudden there was shame. See, at one point in this world, there was just light and just choice to love God without anything that would hinder that choice. There was just Adam and Eve and the opportunity to be in perfect relationship with God. We have those same chains, but God is still a saving God. He pursues us. God didn't stop the choice because we were meant to be free. He didn't step in and stop the serpent from tempting Eve or stop Eve from giving it to Adam or stop Adam from his first sin. He didn't step in then and stop, but he steps in after with a promise. Chapter 3, verse 15 of Genesis is God's first promise of salvation. It's a promise of payment. Being saved by grace is older than sin because redemption was on purpose. God meant that we would be reconciled to him as his children. He meant, as Peter's going to write thousands of years later, that he was not willing that any should perish. He was not willing that Adam and Eve should perish. He was not willing that you and I should perish. And then everyone in between. God's redemption is on purpose. He pursued that we may repent. And as we close this morning, and we consider that redemptive purpose of God, the purpose of being reconciled back to God, goes back to the first words we studied this morning. We know that there is a purpose of our reconciliation because God said, let there be light. I want you to know me. Light is used throughout Scripture in so many different ways, but it's used to bring illumination and knowledge and clarity, the lamp into our feet and the light into our path. Jesus said, I am the light of the world. Anyone who comes to me, we are children of God, image bearers of God. We have the light of God's word that we may be reconciled to him. Our purpose is knowing God and telling everyone we know about God and his purpose. See, sin didn't sneak up on God. And just as we have celebrated uh, this Christmas, we learn from Isaiah 9 that Unto us a child was born. Unto us a son was given. 
and the government shall be on his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Prince of Peace. Those verses are fulfilling and prophetic because it says in verse 6 that a child was born, that he would be born. But have you ever recognized the, the awesome way that God revealed his scripture to Isaiah and Isaiah reveals it to us? He said, unto us a child is born, but unto us a son is given. Yes, Jesus was born, the child of Mary, but the purpose of redemption goes back to eternity past when God said, no, those who will bear my image will be reconciled to me and they are free to choose it because I love them. Because I want them to know real love. I want them to even be able to taste real love as they have relationships between kids and parents and husbands and wives and sons and daughters. They can taste and feel that love and their close friendships with their best friends. But the love of God was of such purpose and importance that he made sure there was a way. And he gave his son that we can know that way. There was no plan B for redemption. Sin didn't sneak up on God. There is no plan B for you and me. This is your reality. Sin had a cost and has a cost. From the beginning, sin brought death. With that first sin, something had to die. And God in his grace created the garments that Adam and Eve would wear that would hide their sin and shame. And he created the way for us to live reconciled to him in our sin and shame. Jesus, his sacrifice can cover a multitude of sins. His blood washes us clean as snow. If you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart, the Lord Jesus, you will be saved. If you confess your sin, God is faithful and just to forgive you and cleanse you of all unrighteousness. All of these promises are fulfilled in the life of Christ but are given to us because we have light, because we have choice, because there's redemption. Everything God does is on purpose. When we read Genesis 3.15, we read what scholars call the Proto-Evangelium, the first gospel. A promise to save by payment for you and me, for everyone, for all time. I hope as we consider these three points this morning, light and image and choice and redemption, we must remember that God didn't and doesn't make any accidents. We mess up knowing his purposes. We mess up following his purposes. We struggle to trust his purposes. And sometimes we just have to throw our hands up and say, Lord, I don't know. But I know that you do purpose perfect. I don't know what 2021 is going to be like. And there's going to be struggle and there's going to be unknown unknowns that we don't even know we don't know yet. But God does things on purpose and he promises for those who love him or are called according to his purpose that everything's for good, whether we know it or not.
We are meant to know God, and God made a way for us to know Him, to choose freely to love Him, because He chose to send Jesus. And if you don't know Him today, today could be your day. Today could be the first day that you say, I realize I am not right with God. I know because God's revealed to me that I'm not right with Him, that I need to be. I understand the love of God because of Jesus and His sacrifice, that that's you today. And you're here, I would be glad to pray with you. I'll be over here and I'll wear a mask. If you're watching in the gym, find somebody to talk to. I know there's at least a really tall guy back there who's one of our adult leaders. And Pastor uh, Buster or Scott's back there. If you're watching online, get in touch with us. Call the church office. Look on our website. Find our numbers. They're there. If today's your day, we would like to know it and celebrate it with you. And maybe even explain to you more what it means to be loved by God and bear His image. As our musicians come, I'm going to pray. And as we sing, and get ready for 2021, realize that God has a purpose. We may not know Him, but we have to trust Him. Let's pray. Dear Father, God, and Creator of all things that we know, I do pray this morning that as we embark on uh, not only our our reading plan and uh, our our uh, endeavor together to go through the Bible in a year, as we embark on a new year full of unknowns, I pray that we would recognize your purpose in the struggle and the triumphs and the celebrations in our relationships and in the ability to love and the ability to choose and the ability to bear your image to others. I pray that we would understand those purposes well. And God, for the sacrifice of Christ, the purpose of reconciliation, to show your love the loudest possible way that you could have proclaimed to us your goodness and glory was to send Jesus. Lord, as we recognize that, if there is any who don't know you, I pray they do today come to that saving knowledge. In Jesus Christ, holy and precious name we pray. Amen.